Hey, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Wow. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oi. Pressing the button, Star Simmons, Star, Stop shouting! He's not what you would call a handsome man. Oh no, here come the kiss times. Is that a positive thing? Okay. Alright. I'm gonna grab me a nice cold mellow Why? Why do that to the fan? Stop it. Why? Because fuck him. That's all. Six one seven five two five zero. You do? Hey, fucko! Do you like kiss? Settle down. Hello, hey, what's up, the Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus, another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode two forty eight. I'm calling this one Mitch Weissman. Yes. Oh, man. Another songwriter part of history, killer interview, tons of tidbits, great stuff. Oh, this was yeah. a good one. This was fun. Yeah. It, we got a lot of good stories. Oh, yeah. And can't wait for you guys to hear it. Yep. However, before we do that, we go back and we talk about last week's episode, which was Halloween. And our Halloween episode was the Tom Snyder interview, Tom. Yeah. This was really crazy. So we do a poll every Monday related to the to the episode. The poll was simply which band member behaved the worst during the interview. This was one of the most interactive polls in terms of amount of votes. And usually the usually the high vote polls are the ones that's like which song is your favorite on the album, like that kind of stuff. This one got a lot. Now I'm very surprised. It says which band member behaved the worst. 48% of the votes said ace. So the ace cult, you let your boy down because 48% of you think he behaved the worst. Gene was second at 40%. So for a while, it was back and forth. Who behaved the worst, Gene or ace? Uh, Paul was at 7%. Peter was at 5 because Peter was coked out. He didn't, know what the, he didn't know what the fuck he was. Tennessee Duke says, depends on your definition of worse, I guess. To me, ace was having fun. Gene was being a stick in the mud. Good point. Wesley Ship brings up a good point. I've said this before. God forbid the spotlight not be on Gene. Excellent point. Excellent point. Grim Richley. Ace made this interview. Sourpuss Gene was the worst behaved. And let's see what people thought about the episode in general, because I think everybody has memories of this interview, whether it's from seeing it online, on Kissology, or watching the whole thing. Our friend Amber Fiber Magic Queen loved watching this interview again. Totally agree with you guys when you say that at the time Gene was the head of Kiss. My favorite part, though, is when Paul tells Ace to put the bear down like he's an angry mother. I love that one. That's great. Walt Rowland says, hey, guys, great show as always. I think what we see is what was going on behind the curtain at the time. You can see why the members left or were fired. It's entertaining to watch and glad we have it. Look forward to the next episode. Just Jackie gives four hearts and says, Ace, so funny. All right. A lot of stuff there. People love Ace in that interview, but 
That's what we got for Twitter. On the book of face, Tom, we have Al Korth. This interview is a classic. We get a glimpse into the inter turmoil surrounding the band. It's notable that Gene jokes. Is it really a joke about orgies as a pastime while trying to be dad when Peter talks about guns? Their main audience in 1979 consisted of eight-year-olds. It would never have been up late enough to have watched anyway. Gene is cringeworthy as he attempts to control the message, and Paul is embarrassed mom. Ace is the child in a runaway train, which is particularly entertaining as the parents are scrambling to keep him on a broken leash. I've never heard the word bellower before, but it sounds as good as anything coming from Ace's drunken syntax. Great episode, T and G. Nice. Thank you. Ronnie Bacharowski. I love this episode. The first 10 minutes of the Tom Snyder interview are epic. Ace was funny drunk Ace back then for a bit. Not today's peepaw, Joe Biden of rock Ace. <laughs> Watching Gene's cigar cutter get all puckered is the best part. Him and Paul look like someone shit in their matzo ball soup. And every time Tom calls Gene a bass player, it makes him want to punch him in his stupid fucking cock. Overall, though, a classic <laughs> TV appearance. Great episode. Shout out loud, Cass. <laughs> I didn't know you wanted to punch people in the cock, but okay. That's a new one. I like it. I'm going to punch, punch you right in the fucking cock. John Clifford, great episode. I've seen the interview several times, and each time it gets funnier. Not just Ace messing around, but absolute fury on Gene's face is priceless. Like Tom said, I would have loved to see what happened after the show. You can mm-hmm. definitely feel the tension in the band there. Cameron Holiday. It's blatantly obvious how Paul and Gene attempt to play off Pete and Ace's comments instead of allowing themselves to have a good time. The story behind the mask and Bill Acoin's audiobook really shine a light on the pre-interview. Ace apparently did not want to do pre-questions. So that's why Tom states he was told he wouldn't probably talk at all. After a few glasses of liquor, it all changed. Still a legendary event. Glad you guys covered it. Nice. Over on our loud casters page, Joseph Collins. Awesome episode, guys. I had this on VHS when I got Kiss Convention, which I got at a Kiss Convention years ago. A friend of mine got me the 1979 TV compilation, and the video quality was amazing. One of the funniest things is Ace introduces Spate Bear, and you see Peter go, okay. The way Peter says it, he's like, dude, you're nuts. <laughs> Joey Romanick. Amazing show. I love hearing you guys break down shit like this. This interview is legendary. For me, is where we all start seeing the beginning of the end. As Thomas Zeus said, up to this point, the band took themselves seriously. After this interview, the mystique was gone. It made the band just seem a little bit of a joke. By the end of the interview, they were completely out of character, and I 100% stood why Gene and Paul were pissed about Ace's behavior. And when I hear Ace talk, while he's not very articulate, I think he's probably a relatively smart guy in his younger years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he didn't have ironed on jeans, but maybe he was. Who knows? It's a good, good point. Charles, don't call me Mark Eaton. How can you make this interview more watchable? Have Chief and Co. cover it. I guess I'm Co. Uh, cover it as an episode. What's the odds that Ace was so high that he thought the interview was being conducted by Snyder's teddy bear? Thus, interactions with it. You're the kings of Saturday morning, guys. And by the way, he writes, great ravishing Rick Rude outro. Nice. 
John Kozis says, and people wonder why Ace and Peter are out of the band and not invited <laughs> back to the final show. Gene and Paul watch this interview every time it comes up and say, fuck no. <laughs> That's so true. Over on Instagram, Tom. All right. All right. Booger. Junior Vintage. This is what rock and roll interviews should be. With no holes bars. As a kid, I thought it was awesome that Ace stole the show. And when he laughs, he looks like the original Joker, Cesar Romero. And sure, he's a little off his rocker, but it was all good fun. Thanks for the fun review. Mr. Antonio, 2005. Nice. Over on YouTube. Our buddy, Montreal Voots. Having TNZ review this epic interview was worth the wait. It's impossible to listen and not laugh every time Ace cackles away. By 1979, the band had boxed themselves into ridicule, not only from those Lezeptards who always had thought considered Kiss lacking musical talent, but also from their loyal fans, now teens, young adults, who were embarrassed and couldn't believe that Kiss went disco. The Tom Snyder Show comes along, and one can picture Paul and Gene reminding Ace and Peter backstage that, as usual, they were going to handle most of the talking to prove to the host that the, this audience that they were still rock and roll toughs from New York and as musically relevant as ever, while Ace and Peter, by this time, could not believe how different um, they looked and sounded from their mid-70s rawness. Mm. Ace gets hammered, and instead of him and Peter smile in the background while Paul and Gene talk about the hollow Marshall amps, Tom Snyder unexpectedly shifts the focus of the interview to Ace, with Peter hesitating to speak at time, but still managed to join in the fun. At times, even Paul and Gene loosen up and join in the laugh, but then abruptly stop and just sulk, while Snyder carries on setting up more laughs with the plumber and his pipes. I believe that Gene probably looks back and wishes he had enjoyed himself more, especially when he looks at the Sonny and Cher Circus Soleil costumes they were wearing as for paul he probably still hears that ace laugh anytime someone brings up the final concert new york shout it out loud cast continues to reign supreme wow thank you that's awesome yeah. love that and tom back to you buddy all right got a couple emails we'll blow through here baden mcleod i think that they were going to perform but Paul and Gene realized that Ace was so smashed and they knew it would be a disaster. Pulled the plug. Just a thought. I don't know. I don't I, it, I don't know if they were ever going to perform, but who knows? It's good topic of conversation there, Baden. I don't know. Sounds good. Chris Hall says, Tom, as Ace, don't eat that new leader for goddamn funniest show moment of 2023. Oh, great. Yeah, we were talking about trick or treating. Don't eat that in the bag. It's not candy. Uh, your Greek buddy there, Thanos. Okay. Love the episode. I was driving on a Saturday night back home at 2 a.m. And you made my two hour trip back home a lot more joyful than it normally would be. This episode, listening back to it, basically magnified that the original lineup was done in my mind, especially knowing what we know now. Zeus, you have a major problem with Paul. Ace and Peter are in self-destruct mode. And you're still having a dig at Paul. On another note, what do you think of the stupid ace comments calling Paul an imbecile? We'll get into that. Rock on, guys. Keep up good work. Zeus, do you want to rebuttal to you digging in at Paul? No, I thought Paul was... Gene let it known. 
Paul was being passive aggressive, giggling, and then having that nervous laugh. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I just didn't like the way Paul acted that time, but whatever. Okay. Uh, that's it for emails because uh, we want to get to Mitch's uh, interview. Tom, we'll end with this. And this was off our uh, Facebook posts. And this is from Sneed Rock. Can't really agree with all of your analysis, TNZ. Ace may have been loaded. And yes, he talked out of turn, cut people off. But like you said, this is the most talkative and articulate Ace has been. And the majority of jokes were quick-witted and funny. The only thing wrong is that an egoed-out Gene got upset that someone he sees as a lesser band member absolutely shined. If you look during the interview, even Gene and Paul couldn't help but laugh at some of the jokes. Let's not forget the interview is after Ace outsold all the other members with this solo album. Also on the end, the latest album, Dynasty, Ace comes out, guns blazons, rock hard with hard time, save your love in 2000. Man, Gene and Paul will be an outshine, and at this time, Ace outshined them again on national TV. This is why Paul, and especially Gene, were so annoyed and upset. Also, Paul had a lot of nerve and is delusional, saying that Ace basically pissed on a golden opportunity to be in TV. What did Paul talk about? Being with a 16-year-old hooker? Being with a girl that came out of a mental institution? What about Gene? Let's play monster and cartoon trivia on national TV? Even Snyder was dumbfounded and a loss for words what Gene was asking him to talk about. Horror movies. What the hell was he talking about? I also love the way Paul changes the narrative when it suits him. For years, he was saying that around Dynasty, the band lost its original direction. It was more like Ringling Brothers Circles and all the families, young kids, and kids started a serious rock and roll band. When I first saw this clip in the early 90s, I was a junior in high school. I could say with certainty that Ace came off looking like a star with the jokes in his over-the-top personality. I'm willing to bet there are a lot of other teens at this time of the airing felt the same. He came across as a badass of the band. Also, you didn't mention what Peter said to Ace. When Ace made the joke of people crying because we spent all that money, Mm -hmm. Peter said, you're going to hear about that in the dressing room, almost under his breath. Gene was becoming a tyrant, and no wonder there was a division in the band. He even jumped in to correct Peter as if he was a child when he talked about guns and gangsters. My last point is how Gene acted during the Don Lane show, which which was a previous episode. Ace was having a great conversation with Don, and Gene goes off and creeps out two underage teenage girls in the audience. Wow, huge eye roll. How cool you are, Gene. Not at all. I don't think Ace looked bad at all. I'm not even an Ace cultist. I can definitely say when a member fucked up and only people came out looking bad in this interview were Gene and Paul. Well, Sneed Rock, I don't agree with all that you said, but I think you come at it with your own opinion, some passion, and you put a lot of thought into this. Mm -hmm. And for that, my friend, you are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) Absolutely. Putting that much kind of thought, energy, and passion into an email like that, a message like that, that's incredible. Dude, that's awesome. And you're right. Great point about that comment about crying because they spent all that money. That was, oh, I thought Gene was going to launch himself at Ace when he said that. But anyways, great stuff, Sneed Brock. Yeah. Tom, what we do next is we give a shout out to Patreon. 
Patreon is where people can come and help support the show. So if you like what you hear, you like us, what we do, uh, you want us to continue and grow, get more great guests like you're going to hear in a second, Mitch Weissman, please support us on Patreon. There's four different tiers. Find one that suits your needs and help the show. You can go and become a demon member, a star child, a spaceman, or a actual cat man. Different tiers get you different perks. We offer merch. We offer involvement in the show, polls, uh, video chats, all sorts of things. And the Patreon group has become like a family. We have our own message, our own jokes, our own stuff. And it's a huge help to the show. It's coming around the holiday season. You want to help us out? Please become a Patreon member, subscribe, and you can find Patreon on our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com, right on the landing page, or you can go to patreon.com or Patreon the app and find us under creators, Shout It Out Loudcast. Thank you for all you Patreon members, and please come and support us there. Yep, Patreon, you guys are the best. Please check us out, like Zeus said. Go to patreon.com, download the app, click on the link on our website, shoutoutloudcast.com. The month of November, we'll have the Patreon ARC pick. And, of course, you get some other perks. You get sneak peeks at what the episode will be on Thursday, so you don't have to wait until Saturday. You get to vote in things like our Flashback Friday and a couple other perks, too. So check us out, and thank you to all of our amazing Patreon family members. You guys rock. Tom, what we do next is we hop on over to Kiss World to find out what's going on over there. I'm going to tell you right now, Paul's going to look like an imbecile when he hears this album. It's called 10,000 Volts. It's going to be fucking fantastic. Pepe Castro's been part of this, too. By the way, we get a Pepe Castro reference from Mitch Weissman that you'll hear later. But uh, anyways, that's Ace uh, telling everybody that, of course, this is the best album he's ever done, because that's what they all say. And it's called 10,000 Volts. And it looks like it's uh, slated to be coming out early next year, February maybe, but we'll see. And of course, he's taking shots at everybody. This album comes out. It's going to make him, meaning Paul, look like an imbecile. Yeah, this is a typical ace. And he wonders why. Gee, why won't they let me play? You know, maybe pay me a million dollars. This is the greatest album of all time. I'm going to make Paul look stupid. Dude, if you so call moved on why do you have to bring kiss up at all exactly you're a solo artist exactly right yep so if uh you know the great carmine of peace puts a new album out he doesn't say well rod stewart's gonna be real jealous of what i'm gonna do today yep but it doesn't matter he fucking moved on jakey lee isn't bringing up aussie fucking comments if he drops a new album well if he's alive well yeah that's true too but yeah, you know what I mean? Just stop it. Stop it. You're not yeah. gonna be stop it. Stop whining. Put that new record down. Stop with the nonsense. You are not a very good conjunctive player right now. You I have no idea what you're doing. You're the spaceman, you're the cat man, you're the crazy man. You call me imbecile. You don't even know what that means. And one last thing I want to just leave all the ace cults. We all know what he sounds like now. Yeah. So when his record comes out and he doesn't sound like we know what he sounds like, is that sink and ace? Thank is you. Because you thank you. Is that Zeus, is that a you, fake ace? 
You or do we just enjoy it for yeah. what it is? And we don't have to fucking spoil the fun for all you fucking idiot Ace Cult fans out there. Right. Zeus, you took that. You thank you. I'm going to pick up where right. you left off because I was going to say the same thing. Everybody knows what Ace sounds like right now. So when this album comes out and he sounds smooth as silk and every note is spot on and every chorus is wonderfully managed and harmonized. Are we going to just enjoy it? Or, we, or like you said, is this now sinking ace? Is this fake ace? Is this tracky lawless? <laughs> is this AI ace? Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or what are we going to? I mean, let's be serious. Here. Some of you people out there have spent years destroying Paul. Are you going to be honest and call your saint ace out for what yeah, it is? And it's not just destroying Paul. It's ruining the fun for anybody else that actually doesn't mind and wants to enjoy themselves. So should everybody be like, dude, Ace doesn't sound like this, no matter how good the music is or how good the songs are. Which is a good segue for a little mini rant that Zeus and I talked about that I would like to kind of lead on here very quickly here. Shout it out loud casters, the Facebook group, which we are thankful and so grateful that it has grown to over 6,500 members, I believe, now. It's, it's amazing. We have a ton of fun on there. We understand, obviously, that not everybody in that group listens to the show. We get that. But Zeus and I pride ourselves on having quite a sense of humor that pushes the envelope, but never to the point where it's hateful, mean-spirited, or insulting to the point where it is going to be effective and hateful okay we we balance that line and we know a lot of you do the same our group is not for people who can't take this band with a little bit of humor okay because we're the administrators and the moderators for the group we get reports on facebook when people quote unquote report a post okay reported posts should be for things that are blatant spam hateful or horrible things or something that's just really unacceptable. You do not report a post because somebody made a comment that you disagree with that may have said something bad about the band that you love. That's not what you report a post for, okay? And secondly, Shout It Out Loudcasters is not your proxy group to soapbox on topics. If you want to rail against a person, a product, a band member, or something, and continually do that, create your own fucking Facebook group. Because Shout It Out Loud Casters is not a place for you to air out all of your personal dirty laundry. And if you don't like that we're blocking your shit or or deleting your posts, then that might point to you that there's a problem and if you don't like it we don't give a fuck because guess what you need loudcasters more than we need you rant over go ahead zeus usually this is reserved for me but no, uh you're this is what happens i let yeah. i let it build up and then i have a stroke <laughs> well you got a point because it is what it is tom and what we're saying is specifically for one person on certain on a certain topic and and for a bunch of people on a few other topics. And then that is, you know, people that report, ooh, the Vinnie Vincent toilet poop joke. Like three or four people reported that. Reported that. 
like, fuck off, dude. It's funny, <laughs> right? Like, but when we see homophobic shit or stupid shit, that gets no. deleted. If people want to say something about Paul and stuff, you know, here and there, that's fine. But we're not going to be every fucking post. You're going to put something shitting on Paul or you're shitting on fucking Tommy or you're shitting on it. Shit on Tommy here and there. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. But it's not going to be your fucking. You know what you can do? Oh, shit. Wait a minute. You don't have to. You already have your own page. Put it there. Guess what? We don't go there to put our opinions on your page. Well, you're free to. Why? So I can interact with the same eight idiots on your fucking page? Or you want to interact with the fucking thousands that are on ours? Fuck off. Take that shit out of here. And we're done with it. it, And there's a big difference between us posting a picture of Paul's, you know, orange juice pasta, which is obviously a goof and a joke and something we can all giggle at. Okay. And in literal hateful, no pun intended shit. And another thing, too, I don't know where people came from thinking that you can go on Loudcasters and start attacking people and naming names and think that that's going to stand. It's not going to, and it never will. Yeah, Tom, I, I agree with you. There's too much foolishness going on. And you know what? We don't permanently block anybody. Anybody's free to come back and say something. Just fucking relax. I'm tired of fucking deleting shit. Yep. I'm too. tired of it. Yep. So it's easier just to suspend people. And also, we're not here, and I no offense to some of you guys, to put up every one of your fucking uh, TikTok video goes on our page. Right. Enough of it. Fucking dude. It, I, I'm When we do these episodes, I've got to scroll back to find the topic when we do our feedback. Yep. And I'm scrolling back 15 fucking people's stupid fucking videos over and over. It's not self-promotion. It's not... Let me fucking sell my brand on Shout It Out Loudcast. That's exactly so right. If you see some of your shit getting deleted, that's why. Okay, yep. guys, let's exactly. get back to having fun on this fucking shit. Because yep. I remember the beginning years when we would laugh and joke about toxic Facebook groups. We, like, I don't no, like where this is going. But you bring up a perfect point, Zeus. And this is why we're going on this rant. And this is why we're doing what we're doing. We're trying to be vigilant. We do not want loudcasters to be a toxic Facebook group. We don't want Have that. Have some fun. Have yep. some fun. Exactly. All yep. right. Tom, a couple, a, a little more uh, housekeeping notes. Uh, if you noticed, uh, we posted a couple things. Don't forget to get your Shout It Out Loudcast merch. Now that we're in November, go to shoutoutloudcast.com. And, and a few people, one from Canada and one from uh uh, the UK, Canada, you can't get our Amazon stuff up there for some reason. But reach out to us with the DM. What we've done in the past is we ship it to us and then we'll ship it to you personally. So if yep, you want to reach done. out to us that way, we can do that for you. The yep. other is the UK. We do have our stuff in the UK. You just can't use the link that we put up because that link is the American link. You need to open up Amazon in the UK and then find shout out loudcast gear and buy it that way. The next is uh we made it Tom to a list on the top 10 Led Zeppelin podcast that's out there. Uh all two or three of our episodes yearly and uh <laughs> it's called uh Feed Spot They did a bunch of Led Zeppelin podcasts. We made it. We made it to number one. Whatever does that mean? Who knows? 
It's a nice little pat on the back. So we posted that. Wanted to give us a shout out for that. Uh, don't forget to catch our friend Craig Gass, who is uh, going to be performing before and after the New York show. Hi, this is Gene Simmons from KISS with a very important announcement. Comedian Craig Gass, who wouldn't be shit without me. I should have kicked his ass a long time ago, but he's performing two special nights of KISS comedy shows. From beginning to end, all jokes about KISS. And it's going to coincide with the final KISS shows ever at Madison Square Garden in New York City. You can see Craig do a full KISS show November 30th and December 3rd, before and after the final KISS shows ever. Unless you got 20 bucks, then I'll come to your house. Go to getgas.com for the comedy tickets. Getgas with two S's.com for the comedy tickets. Or go to kissonline.com and click on my codpiece for a punch in the face for 50 bucks. So that's our housekeeping for now, Tom. And uh, let me uh, wake up Ace in your shed because uh, he's in a Halloween candy coma. Oh, shit. I just fucking passed out. I had a couple butterfingers. I've been eating these things all day. Next thing I know, I got some butterfingers stuck in my underwear. I don't know if it's the candy bar or or what came out. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, we're back, and uh, I'm having a really tough time managing the occupancy of my shed because my mom is up from Florida now, and you know she wanted to she wanted to check out the shed, see what it was like. 
And we inadvertently woke up Ace. He was upstairs sleeping in the loft. All the, the whole shed was filled with candy wrappers. It was a couple Zag nuts, a couple Almond Joys, whatchamacallits. There was like a big piss cup in the corner. It was a very, very <laughs> ugly scene. So now, I, now I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should just keep the doors locked or what. It's very difficult for me. He was in his boxer shorts, his rubber ducky shorts. Yeah. He was ironing his shirt. Hey, hey, hey Tom. <laughs> You feel like having a hundred grand? Uh, Ace, that's not chocolate on your fingers. Jeez, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I need one I, of Scout's bags. I, 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 geographically, I went into Scout's territory and I grabbed it. I thought it was a Snickers bar that somebody dropped. <laughs> anyway, Tom, on that fucking mature note. Poor Miss is what I say all the time. Poor Mitch, if he listens to this, he'll be like, I spent an hour with these guys. It's an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's that's 7 30 at night. <laughs> the guy played in the Beatles Mania, has met the Beatles, and he's on a podcast with us yeah. talking about Ace eating fucking poop. <laughs> but anyway. Tom, we were fortunate enough to get the great Mitch Weissman. Uh, Mitch, songwriter, famous for being in Beatlemania, the, the, the play about the Beatles, and then became a movie, a soundtrack. He played Paul McCartney. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get him on the show, and we thought we'd ask him about the songs. It's almost like a songwriter series. We've had uh, the great Adam Mitchell. We've had Holly Knight. Now we had uh, Mitch Weissman. So it, it's great to have these people. But this turned into so much more than tell us about a couple songs. He drops a lot of stories, fascinating stuff. The man had no problem telling us all about it. Great interview. It's fantastic. And it's funny. He even catches himself. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent. Like he he just got so into it, enjoying the, the memories and the nostalgia in these stories. And we just took it all in. And we know you guys are going to do the same. So get ready to enjoy this one. Without further ado, Mitch Weitzman. All right, this week we are very excited to have a very special guest, a major part of history. He's very famous for playing the role of Paul McCartney in Beatlemania, the original Beatlemania in the 70s. But for a KISS podcast, we're going to talk to him about his involvement with Gene Simmons' 1978 solo album, as well as many songs he wrote with him during the 80s especially a few from Animalize. We are thrilled to welcome the great Mitch Weissman to Shout It Out Loudcast. Mitch, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Zeus. It's nice to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you're looking good, my friend. We were just commenting about your wonderful head of hair compared to the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, we as Kiss fans, we know a lot of your song and we know your involvement with Kiss and we kind of want to get right into it. Uh, we ask okay. these questions for most people and we can, you, because you know the band, uh, it can be who you're closest with, who you admire most. It doesn't matter. We always ask these questions. Do you have a favorite Kiss member? Um, probably Gene. Makes sense. It was Gene, or I would say Gene, because I still talk with Gene. Um, but Paul and I spent, with, uh, between the three of us, we spent almost a full two years together, like almost every day. Um, wow. Just because wow. we were friends. Um, and what I years was, were this? Was this? This would be 
we met in, well, we met in 1976 when we were auditioning, when we were doing the Beatlemania rehearsals. They came in and they put us through our paces one day. It's funny, mm-hmm. they came walking in. We knew they were somebody who we didn't know who, but they introduced themselves and they, we knew they were huge Kiss fans and they put us through four hours of going through every song they could get off our list, including, you know, what a pain Mary Jane had a, what a, what a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party. Just throwaway <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I mean, and we sang all these songs at the end of the four hours. It's like, you want to hear anything else? I mean, we had like, we had no voices. Um, oh, wow. So, and during that time when we first met, um, Peter would come running in the door saying, are we rehearsing yet? And Paul and Gene would go, no, Peter, not yet. Eventually he came in, he came in the door for the final time and all six of us in the room screamed, no, Peter, not yet. Before he even asked the question, he went out of the door laughing. Um, we went in the next day. Ace apparently tells the story that he was in the next room having the catering and going, where are these guys? I mean, I came in, I got here to rehearse and there's nobody here. So, um, is that an Ace impression? Cause uh, everybody yeah. does them. We I love know, ace impressions. I, we do so, them on the show all the time. He, um, he, yeah. So he, the next day we came in there and during the first song, um, Gene pops a bass string and Ace's Marshall head starts smoking. I mean, I thought maybe it was a rigged head like his guitar smoking, but no. Big John Hart grabbed us and escorted us out the door. And he told me later on that they were just so embarrassed because they felt like they were playing for the Beatles because we had played for them four hours beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah. We went and saw them at the garden during that tour. And, uh, we, you know, we eventually in 78, Gene asked me to do his solo record. And then the next time I saw Paul was in Pepe Castro from Balance and Blues Magoos, one of Ace's yep. friends. Oh, yeah. Pepe, Ace, Pepe Castro's my yeah, buddy. He taught, <laughs> he taught Ace's to play guitar. I mean, he gave him lessons. Um, but a, Pepe had a party every year at the 4th of July on the rooftop of his townhouse. I mean, he didn't have a whole townhouse, but he had the top sure. floor and, and the rooftop. So I ran into Paul one year. And we were talking for a lot. This is like 45 years later. And he says, here's my number. Call me. When uh, the funny part is the next day when I woke up, I couldn't call him because it was Paul Stanley from Kiss. My wife said, you idiot, call him. I said, no, I can't. It's him. The next year at the same party, he gave me his phone number again. He said, why didn't you call me? I said, because you're Paul Stanley. And he hit me and said, don't do that again. Um, and we wow. remained, we were friends almost on a daily basis. Wow. Uh, from that point on, um, wow, That's and uh, great. yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was it was a nice relationship. We don't we don't speak now, and I don't quite know what happened, but uh, that says Gene and I will still send each other emails and stuff like that. So nice, it's uh, yeah, so it's nice. Yeah, nice. it's 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 funny because uh, personality wise, Gene seems to be like more like uh, I don't know. He's got a big heart, and you know we got the chance to meet him. And yes, any person Vegas. that we that he talks to, it seems like he makes that person feel important. He does. And he's also he's also Shecky Green. And he does every every yikes. bad every bad joke ever. My yeah. my wife now and I were walking oh once. We God. brought our jeep. We brought our jeep over to a dealership in in Santa Monica, and yep. we decided it's going to take a few few hours for them to fix the. It was a recall on a airbag or something so we said let's walk with the dog all the way to the beach now it was farther than we thought it was but we're walking down the next thing i know i see a a head bopping with a baseball cap on at a ford dealership 
and it's Jeannie from across the street. So we cross the street, we go see him. The first words out of his mouth is he's got, there's a black mechanic there. <laughs> he goes, hey, Mitch, look, it's uh, Don Isley. I mean, <laughs> or, you know, it's like, I, I mean, it's the same Isley, but because he was, a black, I mean, everything was, was oh, shtick. Everything was total shtick. Everything. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yep. But when yep. I, when I knew them during those years and when they had their, you know, the, the resurgence and stuff like that, they were just down to earth, regular guys. They were funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just had a great relationship with both of them. It was it was really very good. Yeah, yeah Paul seems to be a little bit more uh, like guarded with his friendships and relationships, and aloof uh, sometimes too. Yeah. Almost un- almost uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is interesting to me because when I first knew him, I mean, when we were hanging out, I mean, we shared sometimes the three of us would go out, sometimes we go out with Gene, sometimes we go out with Paul. Something it was just all split up. It was almost I swear to God, it was almost daily for like a couple of years, eighty four yeah. and eighty five. Wow. Um, and during that time period, when we were writing together, but it, nothing ever made it onto what became Creatures. Nothing made it onto this. And I have demos from those time periods and stuff. And then eventually, when I submitted the songs, the co-writes and stuff, I got the ideas for Animalize. That's when they called me and um, said, we're going to use this stuff. And almost jokingly, Eric said, what, what, what did you eat this year? Because it, it, it worked. So, but the very the thing that solidified our relationship was that they called me during, during um, Creatures from the record plant in L.A. or whatever studio they were in. They had me on speakerphone. And they asked, they said to me, you know, we just want to tell you, hi, guys. And they, well, they're all there. Uh, we're not going to use any of the songs that we've worked on. Oh, and wow. my reaction, he said, do you remember what you said? I said, yeah, it was probably something like, uh, oh, that's a bummer. Um, so when you come back on Tuesday, where are we going to dinner? <laughs> and they and they actually just said, did you hear us? We're not using any of the material. Yeah. And they went, yeah, I heard you. But when you come back on Tuesday, where are we going? Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Because I didn't care. I mean, I had a great friendship going. So you write right. with your friends. And if it doesn't work, as Paul said in a uh, Circus Magazine article or was a circus or metal mania? I can't remember, whatever it was. Metal legend. He just said, you know, you, you work with your friends and you tell me I'm using a song and there goes the friendship. Right. With Mitch, it did, it never stopped. Wow. So whatever songs didn't get used for the two albums before Animalize, who cares? You know, we're yeah. friends. Yeah. And so, so and one of and one of those demos that you had with Creatures, I believe the name of it was called It's Gonna Be All Right, which now has been officially released because it was part of the uh, the anniversary box set for Creatures of the Night. So now fans have have gotten to heard that was the yeah was, that original demo was was done with a beatbox and just yeah. me. I think I think it's me playing the guitars. Um, yep. Because we Gene and I would be in his closet and recording on Porter Studio and stuff like that. There's a song that that Eric Carr song that was released possibly posthumously called um, "The Troubles Inside You" and I sing that one and it was okay. just all Porter Studio and I'm playing bass and vocals and all this other stuff um just, we just used to throw stuff down and that's when you wrote with gene it was just threw it against the wall and see what stuck when you wrote yeah, with paul it was it was long introspective i mean but we wrote a song which i don't think was oh get all you can take get all you can take yeah. has yeah. about 10 verses to it that i kept writing and writing and writing it's, it's like it's almost like taxi by harry chapin um <laughs> And, I mean, I have somewhere I have the legal pad paperwork. It's in storage and stuff like that. And you can see, I just wrote verse after verse after mm-hmm. verse until we whittled it down. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a totally different style of writing. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and they were, they were, they were great guys. 
you know, people change as they get older, but I think Gene is still in there somewhere. Yeah, and, the you know. uh, it's funny because I, I think we had we had uh, the great Karma and a piece on at one point, yes. and he had said the same thing. Yeah, for a while there in the seventies, he was like every day, and Bob Kulik yeah. the same thing. They yeah. were very close with Paul for a while, and you know things drift off. They didn't have yeah. any animosity or anything, but it just. It got to no, the well, point like friendships go one way or the other. It's okay. You meet so many people that um, you know, over yeah. the time over the time something has to change. Um my lifestyle may have changed to the point where it irritated them. Um, but Gene always if I if I write him an email, he'll respond. It may be a it may be an emoji, it may be two words. Yeah. <laughs> and I've actually it's funny, I a friend of mine wanted to project he had involved with as i wrote him an email saying this guy wants to talk to you about this he wrote me back a very nice polite letter telling saying why he couldn't do it and whatever it was and it was just it was very nice but it's mm-hmm. that sort of stuff he'll respond through me so if somebody wants to get somebody wants me to get a hold of him he'll respond right. uh, if i want to ask him something i haven't had a response in a while but it's but it's fine mitch you, know, you just opened like up a whole can of worms to all our listeners uh lose your information because they're all <laughs> gonna send you notices hey can you that's tell okay. gene to sign this for me <laughs> yeah, that's go. okay that's okay um i'll i'll fend i'll i'll fend them all off or i'll see what i can do <laughs> yeah so the next question we have for you and we're gonna get into all the songs that you wrote with the guys and stuff but you do you have a favorite kiss song is it could be one of the ones you wrote with them it could be just you know rock and roll all night whatever do you have any you know that's funny. I mean, I haven't. I really wasn't waiting for, waiting for that question. One of the, one of the songs that I love of theirs, which I don't think, I don't know if it did very very well, was "Sure Knows Something." Oh, um, we love it. We, it. We, it is an amazing that, song, and the fantastic. bass line is fantastic. Yes. I actually like "World Without Heroes" because Gene was writing that when wow, I was in. Mitch, what, come Gene on, was writing. Gene was writing that. The elder stuff is actually much better than anybody thought. Um, yes, writing, I agree. Was, yeah, Gene was writing that in um, while I was hanging out at his apartment all the time. I, I Lou Reed was leaving as I was coming in. Yep. When they when they released the song, I said, "You know, you should have after the guitar solo gone back to well, you don't know what you're after and don't know where you've been, whatever that the part is before you go into a world without heroes." You said, I, "I thought that in the studio. I knew I should have put in another bridge, and I didn't do it. Mm. So the song was too short." Um, with Paul, then when he was writing, when they were writing for that record, um, I went with Paul down to his studio off of Central Park West, uh, which was owned by Jed Lieber, the son of Lieber Stoller. You know, uh, oh Elvis, uh, yep, yeah. I so have, uh, Jed, they write some some of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. Yeah, so Jed was had a studio down there, and Paul and I would go at night. And Tony Powers, the guy who wrote Odyssey was in the studio playing the song with him on the piano and I was trying to play drums. Um, he was pretty funny. So he, we were, they were learning and, and woodshedding all that stuff during that time period. And I was there for it. Nothing made it onto, uh, I don't think I even tried to write for the elder. I don't I'm, I'm just thinking a lot. I'm like, this drums on the Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. But no, while they were learning the song at the piano, I'm just, sure, sure, drums yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course it turned into, uh, it turned into something else. Whole, Galaxy, of course, yeah, with an orchestra. <laughs> um, it was it was an interesting time period, and they tried their best. And I'll never forget the the um, new romantic sort of look was an interesting look for them. I'm not sure yeah. if it really worked the at all. Shorter hair and stuff. The short yeah, hair, exactly. the, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was Headbands. there when that, I was there when that happened. And then the the cover photos for um, for what turned into the Japanese release with all the 
Yes, the Which, band, the, the full I, band I photo. Actually, yeah. Barry Levine was the photographer. I yes. was the I was the set designer. Oh wow! Dick, Del, Dick D'Alessandro was the photographer. I helped with the lights and all the other stuff. And that was an interesting day of doing that photo shoot because everybody's in makeup. They're all standing around, a lot of waiting around time. Ace was very funny. But I've had some great experiences with those guys. Hey, oh, just nice. let me know when the cameras are on. I'll come over <laughs> yeah. and take I'll be in my I'll be in my dressing room. You guys come get me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a game of cards going. I'll go, I'll yeah. catch up with yeah. you later. Um that's that's freaking awesome. <laughs> I love that. Freaking love awesome. I love those kind of like elder, insider little stories. Oh, yeah. Elder yeah. stories. We don't get enough. Yeah, of we don't them. get a lot of those. That's fantastic. That's when they that, did I was doing um I didn't, they were not on the, the episode of Fridays that I was on. Ian Hunter's band was on it. But I remember when they needed it to do that show, they had no keyboard player. So I actually recommended my friend Gary Rutger, and he went on oh, wow. to play keyboards in the hand clap section and stuff on on the, the ABC TV show. Um, Fridays, it was great. Yeah. I mean, they used to, when Gene had to do Runaway. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. He cut all his hair off, right? Yep. So yep. my first wife actually took the, the picture of him in the mugshot that's in the movie that she took that photo in her little oh, really? studio at her house on 74th street. Wow. And, and I, then he says to me, he says, when he was done doing the movie, he says, we got to go out on tour. I got no hair. Where did, where did you guys get your wigs? That awful <laughs> wig. Yeah. Oh, so I, took, I said the, the wig maker that we used in Broadway uses uh, is uh, down in the Broadway area. And I can't remember his name though. I just had it. I just forgot. I took him down there. And then we made an appointment. We went down together, and they taped up his head. They put saran wrap on his head, and everything else to make the molds for the for the oh, for the for the wig. And um, what's his name? Bob. I can't remember Bob's last name. Um, but he was one of the major wig makers for Broadway. And so mm-hmm. we went down there together, and I watched him. I watched him get his head head shaped. Um, <laughs> and I was there to pick up the wig with him. Or I actually went down to get it for him when it was ready. I mean, it was pretty funny. Wow. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of stuff with those guys. A lot, yeah. A lot, I can tell. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite album? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I personally, I mean, for personal reasons, I, lo- I like Animal Eyes. Oh, of course. Um, when, I, when, when Paul and I first started hanging out, he took me to his apartment, not the one he lived on on Madison Avenue, but he was still living in his small apartment on 52nd Street. It's a one bedroom. Um, and uh, it was Is that the, the one building. he rented out for Bob to, Kulik? Yeah, to Bob Kulik. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because, yep. because what happened was they didn't, the city had a rule of not having two primary residences. So in the, oh. when he had to give up that apartment, they didn't know he still had that when yeah, he was building, was building the one on Madison Avenue. Then he had to give it up or he would have kept subletting it to Bob. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but we were in there and I'd meet Tom Snyder and the, Tom Snyder lived in the building. He'd been in the elevator. He'd say hi to me because he could recognize me, but he didn't recognize Paul. Because it was, because they were in makeup on Tom Snyder's show. Oh, that's right. And we just um, talked about we just talked about that last week. I, that was our episode last week. Is it was the uh, the the forty Halloween forty fourth yes. anniversary of the appearance on there? Yeah, that's funny. That's yep. funny. disaster. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. yeah. That's funny. So, I mean, it's actually pretty some funny television. I mean, oh, totally. totally. Ace is Ace is totally out there, and it's hysterical. Oh, oh it but is. You can, yeah. you can see you can see the slow burn after a while. Oh, Gene! Gene is just furious. Yeah, we we put that out there for our listeners. We we always do like a poll, and uh, we ask who's who misbehaved the most. Uh, Yeah, and uh, and they and they all picking like Gene and uh, more so than I think everyone. Right? It was it was was Gene and Gene and Ace were vying for biggest uh, a hole during the uh, during the interview. (laughs) I know. 
Yeah. I know. Yeah. Gene should have just let it go. Paul, there's a lot of stuff with Paul smiling and laughing and stuff like that. Because what are you, how are you going to stop this guy? You That's exactly right, yeah. Mitch. Yeah. Just let yeah. it go. Just let it go. Yeah. 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 So now, have you. Favorite album, you- though, I, I other than Animalize, I. I, when we first met, I was getting things at Paul's apartment. He gave me all of their albums up to that point, up to okay. 1980. Okay. And I and I went home and listened to them all, but it's been such a long time. But every time I hear some of the earlier stuff, yeah, um, some of these tracks are fantastic. Uh, the production values are different. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. And yeah. that's the only thing that holds it back. But for the production values were good for what for that time. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, I, I haven't heard a lot of the remixes or the others re-releases and stuff like that mm-hmm. i'm sure they i'm sure they can be absolutely done fantastically but mm-hmm. whatever what, what song was ruled out here was oh, it was on that was the, the elder. elder the elder that was that, that was the stuff elder. actually so- sonically sounded very very good yeah um, because that's bob ezrin yeah, yeah. Exactly. But even Ezrin was having issues at that time. I would be talking oh, to all Gene. coked up. Oh, I think yeah, everybody Gene, everybody was out of their mind, which is why the album I would call, existed. I had, back in those days, there were no cell phones. You had everybody's home phone numbers. And I had the studio number up at Asus Studio in Connecticut. And Gene would just be telling me, oh, my God, it's crazy up here. Um, so, you know, it's <laughs> it was one of those strange things. I mean, uh, they, they, they put through a lot of stuff. You know, they went through a lot of stuff. So... Paul talks about her in his book how how brainwashed he was basically and delusional he was about the elder and how he thought he was so serious and he finally the critics are going to give him the respect and that yeah. when he had his friends and everybody to listen to the elder he made like everybody put on headphones turn off the lights or something and everybody yeah. just listened to this and he was so into it he's like and he looks back now and he's like all embarrassed about it and how over like he they they just weren't kissed at that time, do you remember this part of the band? Like, I don't I, really funny, pushing I, this. They were pushing it, and they went through why they came up with the new look and everything else. And to tell you the truth, if you watch that Friday show and see World Without Heroes and see I, I, it's actually phenomenal material. It yeah. really I mean, is. I, I agree. I listened. I listened to I within the last year and was like flabbergasted about how good it sounds. I love that song. Well, that that and, a so- that and a song like The Oath, like that's a the heavy Oath. song. Yeah. I mean, you think, people think about yeah. the falsettos in the, in the chorus part, but that's a heavy riff. Eric Carr is a monster on that. I mean, there yeah, is some, uh, the, there's some what do you good call stuff. It? The Dark Light is actually really, really good. It's a fantastic very song. It's, it's a yeah. fantastic song. So they, they, are, they are firing, but I think they were facing a backlash yeah. from, the, from the new look as well. Yeah, too much, um, too much of a shift. You had the yeah. unmasked pop. You had seventy nine. They had Dynasty, which people thought was disco. Yeah, and then right. they get into a concept album. Their fans are like three albums in a row. Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not. Yeah, we're not, you know. Yeah, and it kind of yeah. alienated them. Which is, yeah, they kind of they yeah, almost lost it. I mean, bad. I mean, son- sonically, I mean, I haven't listened to uh, to Creatures in a long time, but that album was a fantastic album. But it just they nobody yes. was ready for them yet. Right. They also had. The management issues and all the other stuff. I mean, I was yeah. there when we had when Mark stuff fell apart. Yep. And I said to Gene, I said, you know, I'm sorry, you and Carl, you and not Carl, but um, I mean, not uh, Howard, but but when, but I yeah, when yep. when Howard Mark said, sorry, you and Howard had to, you know, go. He said, oh, we didn't. He didn't go. We fired his ass. <laughs> I mean, Jeez. he they were, I, and every time they, now those guys treated me tremendously. I'd come up to the office, and the people would go like, "How come there's a guy that Paul and Gene both hang out with?" Because they don't share friends. That's <laughs> what started to happen at that Interesting. point. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The, the only guy that was the guy in the middle was me, and we go out together. We go out separately. Mm-hmm. We had separate 
relationships, but always it was it worked out great. And the guys in the office, I remember um, Roseanne Shelnut and also um, what's his name? My God, I'm forgetting it now. Um, but all the guys in the office are going, "How do you? Who are you? And why are you friends with both of them?" But but Howard Marks, I used to call Howard and say like. Listen, I'm trying to, I didn't know anything about a royalties when they're distributed twice a year and that stuff. When I'm trying to figure out my budgeting, I would call up to, and just get to Howard on the phone and say, um, what's, uh, can you tell me what's going to, the breakdown is and what's going to be released in like three months or something like that? He said, well, I got like $30,000 now if you want it. So they would give me the money, whatever the hell they had. Wow. If I happened to just call up, I never even realized that's what was happening until yeah. afterwards when relationships cooled. And then it was just twice a year from Polygram, yep. except that Gene and I, if I needed something, he would call him and say, advance him the money because he knew it would be made up when the world was all right. Wow. So That's it was pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, we had, yeah. we had interesting, interesting relationship. He used to, he would be, he would, other people must have been taking so much advantage of him at those times after. Cause I mean, I guess what happened was that when they became big again yep. on lick, lick it up and stuff lick like that, Howard was a monster with Polygram. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody liked him, but he was, you know, even he, those guys were happy to be back. They were thrilled. They weren't overreacting to being snotty assholes. They were thrilled that they were back. <laughs> but, yeah. but Howard was going, you made my guys. He was, he just, from what I understand, he was just not nice to Polygram. Um, wow. and then it turns out that they let him, they fired him, as Gene says, fired his ass because he was leasing everything back to them. They were paying for stuff that oh. they bought and owned for like for years. Right. But they kept the lease payments going and stuff like that. Meanwhile, they owned it like three times over. So you know, the, whole, the whole thing kind of fell apart. And I think that came about because when they came back, people started to tell them what was happening. And maybe even Polygram let them right. tell what was happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wow. that was the unceremonious splitting of that relationship. Then, of course, we could go into the shrink years, but I'm not going there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, boy. well, yeah. we don't, well, you know, we can't verify or know stuff, but we've, you know, it's always been out there in the KISS world that there's still uh, a shrink issue, this shrink problem going on till this day. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's when they, I, I'm Claire McCurry, who's been with Billy Joel for years and does something, she was up in that office, different yep. people are up in those offices. They were very nice offices on the top of Sixth Avenue. And 59th Street. Um, it was, but I never met, I never met the man. Um, Gene, he had an assistant that was very much like David Spade on the, <laughs> on, on the, on the Saturday Night Live. And you yeah. are, you know, <laughs> and you she, are, she was, gar- she was a guard. She used to think that she was in charge and Gene had to let her go. Um, oh, I had Gene's, I had the keys to Gene's apartment. So I go do my demos there when he was out of town. And I had all the phone numbers. I had everybody's phone number under the sun because he left me the phone books, um, the uh, the big his big personal phone book. Um, and I would answer the phones, and Cher would be saying, "I need to know Diana's number in the colony." I said, "I don't know if I can give that out." You say, "You give me that damn number." I hooked the two of them up, you know. So I mean, I, I it was always great answering the phone in his apartment. So um, I can imagine know. what that was. Yep. Like. Yep. Oh, there was a time when she was doing "Come Back to the Five and Dime," Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. J- Gene asked me to be her wake up call um, instead of like a call phone service that calls and wakes you up. So I would call yeah. her every day. Time to get up. You know, she, oh, Mitch, you drive me crazy. Get up. Get up before wow. I come over there. I got keys. Get up. So, so it was, it was always very fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. That's funny. Now, obviously you're friends with him. 
Did you get to see them a lot in concerts? And about how many times do you think you've seen them? Um, after the, we were friendly, said, well, you were saw that time Madison Garden. That was the first Madison Square Garden. They first, and that's, I think it was 76 or early 77. Yep. Then I saw every time they came through town during those 80s years, I would see them either at the garden. Uh, and then when they were really back again in being huge, mm-hmm. the genius said, I can't get your tickets to the garden. Just now all the hangers on and people that think they're important or the record company says are important. Yep. They got to get the tickets. So I would go to, to, um, Connecticut and see them there because they didn't have to give, nobody was asking for free tickets to go to Connecticut. Right, right. And Gene yeah. said to me, all the free tickets, we pay for those out of our pocket. And I remembered that from, from Broadway when I had the house seats for people that wanted to come see me perform. Yep. Now, my situation was different. Lieber paid for every house seat for anybody ever, ever did it, but they should have been, I should have been paying for them. Mm-hmm. But he was, he said, no, you don't pay for them. I'll pay for them. Um, and, but I, and, and I only had like four seats every night and people would go. And if I didn't have people going, they would put other people in the seats. With Gene, we would, we would, you know, I'd just go, I would go up on the train and drive back with them in the limos or the tour bus to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So I probably saw them about a half a dozen times, really. Yeah. Oh, except, and then one time I, well, my, I was, I was asked by, <laughs> what do you want to do for, for your, for Christmas? I said, I'd like to go see Kiss in Cleveland. <laughs> so wow. I flew to Cleveland. I flew to Cleveland and saw the show there. Huh. I actually did sound check in Cleveland. The opening act was Queensroy. Nice. nice. Yeah. I, cool. I'm watching the sound check and Paul motions for me to come on stage. Bruce launches into Mississippi Queen. Oh, nice. And I, I sing Mississippi Queen. With them as my backup band. That sounds very great. cool. Wow. And uh, in the, the, all of Queens Rock is up. I was going like, who is this guy? So it, was pretty, it was pretty funny. That's we very nice cool. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Nice. Yeah. nice. So you talked about, we t- we briefly touched on, re- you know, recording Gene's like 78 solo album. So the story right. that, that, the, the story is that Gene tried to get the Beatles like John Lennon, Paul McCartney and everything. And then he ends up having a relationship with you. Well, we he, had had the relationship from, from 1976. And yes. From, yes. From the concert. But what happened was he had Carol Ross at the press office, their yep. publishing, yep. Uh, their uh, publicity people tracked me down. I was doing Beatlemania on the West coast uh, right. at the Schubert and he's recording at Cherokee. And so the, the, the apocryphal story is that, you know, I tried to get, Paul and John, but they weren't available. So I got the next best thing. So, <laughs> and that's what it, that's what it said in, in all the, all the stories. Yeah. The press and stuff. And so we were there and Carol calls me and says, do you want to come? You know, Gene would like to sing the vocals on this and you and Joey Pecorino. So we went down there yep. and uh, literally it wasn't that far from where we were living, my apartment where I was living. Um, so, you know, but they set the limo. We went down there and stuff like that. And it was an amazing sort of session. Joey was seeing at the time, he was seeing um, Deborah Lee Scott, Hotsy Totsy from Welcome Back Cotter. And that was his girlfriend at the time. I think um, I know that is. Yeah. She, okay. Yeah. She came with us. When we walked into the first recording session, she wasn't there for the first one. We walk in to do the backgrounds for the three songs we did. And there is Ace, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Joe Perry playing yep. ping pong with Rick, Rick Nielsen. Yep, using, guitar, using guitar Ch- tricks, picks. Oh. They're just hitting picks back and forth across the screen. 
So Joe, <laughs> I knew Joe, I knew because he was a Libra Krebs management person, and I was managed by Libra Krebs, and they were the producers of Beatlemania. Mm-hmm. Rick, I had met, I had met before. Uh, some, some, I think maybe Gene and I went to see Cheap Trick. I can't remember. Um, but I was friends with all those guys. But, but we sang backgrounds on that first day. The next day, when we were down there. Deborah Lee comes running in and says, you'll never guess who's in the next studio recording America. It was Jeff Emmerich and George Martin. Wow. So she, she dragged me into that studio. And wow. he, I, and I just said, George, uh, George, Mr. Martin, I said, I, I just want to thank you for recording those records. And he turns and looks at me and says, don't thank me. Thank him. And he pointed out to Jeff Emmerich. Um, wow. Years, years later, Jeff Emmerich and I laughed about that because it yeah. was George, George was very, deferential, self-deprecating. He gave the credit where the credit was due. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was really, uh, it's, it's, I had some amazing times down there with meeting different people and stuff like that. Yeah. What did you with think that. of the song? What did you think of the songs that you contributed to on, on Gene Solom? Cause obviously we know Gene is, is, is in love with the Beatles, huge influence on him. And of course those three songs, see you tonight, Mr. Make believe and always need you nowhere to hide. Are I like the, the- I like the songs. I think the bass playing is actually really, really good. And I don't know if it was much Gene or Neil Jason. I think, no. I think, okay. Gene, I think Gene on those sections, we were just singing. Right. So this picture, there's pictures online at my, on my Facebook page of me and Joey and Eric Troyer, who Eric Troyer and Rory Dodd were known as the, um, oh my God, the something twins. They were, they were, they did every major, 90s Billy Joel, you name it, backing tracks. Rory oh. sings on Total Eclipse of the Heart. Wow! When when she did that on the on the on the Academy Awards, he's the guy singing yep. Jim Simon's Arts. Oh, wow. Rory has been. They have been on on so many records. It's unreal. They even sang on my demos for 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 a great reduced price <laughs> uh, <laughs> because they are my neighbors and friends. But Eric is. You'll see pictures of me and Joey and Eric around the microphone with Gene putting these vocals down. Now, to be the truthful, by the time we got to um, Mr. Make Believe, it's just me and Gene singing. The other vocals didn't didn't blend well enough. Oh, okay. Eric and Jory were known as the blendos. What the blendos, what okay. The blendos, really. It made, you can look that term up, and you'll, you'll find articles on them. Um, okay. They were... Um, they, we, Gene and I, just, our voices just seemed to mesh pretty well. So yeah. I think, and that one song alone, I think it was just me and him. Uh, Eric, I think eventually was removed or he's buried in the mix, but then it was me, Joe, and, and, uh, especially on, um, Always Near You Nowhere to Hide. Behind okay. the night, whatever those lines are. Um, mm-hmm. all that sort of droning stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of fun doing that, that stuff. The funny thing is, Gene had his money bags t-shirts back then. Yeah. Um, and he wanted us to have the t-shirts. So he calls up Cher on the phone at her house in the canyon, uh, which eventually he bought the property across the street so he could be near her. Um, and that's the house you see on Family Jewels. Except yep. the house, the house until Family Jewels was just a one-story ranch house that kind of half, like a half moon, half crescent moon. Mm-hmm. And he had, and I had a garage with his, with a old hippie style hot tub apartment, stained glass above the garage. And that used to be my place. I was oh, wow. In California yeah. right, in the nineties. If I had Beatle gigs, Gene said, just stay there. I never, mm-hmm. I, I had met China before, but when I was staying at that place, I never, I never went to the house to say hi to, 
say hi to Shannon. Um, wow. But then when I went to go see him during Family Jewels with my wife, Jackie, mm-hmm. we went a few years back and it was like, I'm going, the, the gate was the same. The, the security code didn't work. Yeah. And when you open it up and get, this house was there, I'm going, holy crap. I said, what happened to the other place? He said, well, we needed a bigger place. I said, what happened to the garage and the apartment? He says, I got rid of it because Ted Nugent, when he split up with his wife, he was there and Gene brought him coffee one morning and Ted rolled out of bed with a 357. And Gene oh. said, I think it's time to get rid of this place. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Wow. It was a funny situation, but his heart yeah. almost stopped for a second. Oh, yeah. And Ted's a sweetheart. But oh, yeah. You, yeah. you may think somebody's a sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. So you have uh, See You Tonight. They played it on the unplugged version. It's funny because when we... Re- we went over Gene's solo album. We were going through all the people and Rin Tin Tin and the 1500 yeah. other people that he invited exactly. onto. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were going through it and like, Oh, that's his Beatles song. Yep. Uh, that's his Beatles song. Yep. 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 Yeah. That's his Beatles song. And you're on all those three songs that we deemed Beatles song. Beatles song. Exactly. Yeah. Gene Beatles song. We, uh, when, I, when Vinnie Vincent joined the band, um, mm. after doing the work on creatures, Yep. So they brought him in and Gene put him up in a hotel on Lexington Avenue. I lived on the west side of Manhattan. He says to me, Vinny just got here. You have to come over to the hotel. I go to the hotel and they hand me a guitar and they say, okay, Beatles now. And we spent like four hours <laughs> seeing every Beatles song because, mm-hmm. because Vinny was a Beatle nut. Gene was a wow. Beatle nut. It's just yep. insane. So it's yeah, pretty they, funny. Yeah. They love, I mean, Gene is such a fanatic fan. And uh, it's always so interesting when he goes into them, even up to the point where he did, what was it? Uh, was it Psycho Circus when he did we that song, We Are One? Like, we Are One. A, yes. That's like a yeah. Beatles song. That is not a Kiss song. Yeah. And every once in a while, he yeah. pulls stuff out like that. They were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a clip online of him doing something, one of the Beatles songs, too, and I can't remember what it is. Yeah. With his solo band. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, Always Near You. Nowhere to hide. Are you doing the high part, or is that really Gene hitting that? Because we had well, a listener tell us, we told them you were coming on. They're like, ask him, because I don't know if that's Gene. The um, the where he the songs where he sings the harmony of himself, like in uh, Mister Make Believe and stuff like that. That's him singing the high parts. Well, I'm just doing the backgrounds. Okay, and he and I are just doing the backgrounds. When we, it's funny about like gang vocals. Yeah. Um. I think Kiss did the same thing because when we did the Wendy O. Williams album, we yep. everybody sang the high part. Everybody, whether it was falsetto or otherwise, Eric had an amazing voice. I have a, a lighter falsetto at the time, mm-hmm. so the so stuff that I'm singing falsetto, Gene is singing it in a little stronger falsetto, and you just triple it. When when Rory and Eric sang with my stuff, we did gang vocals. So it was three three of us on the lower part, double it. Three of us on the middle part, double it. Three of us on the high part, double wow. it. And when you have everybody blends in. The weaker voice sounds great. When I did Billy Squire's Enough is Enough record, we did mm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a style of doing it. The other way to do it is everybody takes their part and you double it. Everybody takes their part. So this, it's the same thing, except yeah. the gang vocal way is everything at once, everything at once, everything at once. Right. So, right. um, so it was, it was fun. So the high part again, I'm not remembering what that. High part is it's, it's a high. Kind of, it's, kind of, it's like the outro. It's almost like the okay. outro of the song. Everyone, whatever. Yeah. Yes. 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 That's Gene. Now there is talk that he may have slowed the machines down to get the the voice uh, on there. 
that's better okay. up. Okay. But it doesn't sound like a Vinnie Vincent Invasion record. <laughs> so I, I don't, and, and Vinnie and I are friends. We talk occasionally. Oh, we love we like, love those records. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean yeah. those are killer records. You know, oh, yeah. we uh, we we had the uh, fortune to meet him. He did something called Creatures Fest about a year or so back, and we met right. him in, in the meet and greet. Yeah, and the line was like <laughs> hours, and it's because he wanted to talk to everybody, yes. and he wouldn't stop. So when we got up there. He like I, I I we felt bad because we knew how long everybody was waiting. We're like trying to move. He's like, no, no, no. You kept talking. Well, stay right talking. here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, yep. Uh, he wanted to talk. Very we great. did a, we, we did a chiller theater convention, um, which I think just happened or was happening now or like last weekend. I did one one four years ago, and Vinny was first time he did one. He had the ankh makeup on, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We, yeah. we were in, we were in separate rooms together, but we made arrangements to get together and and talk and stuff. So I have his email and all the other things. I don't yeah. think we've had a lot of phone conversations. And it's recently one of his friends or assistants of his reached out to me to come to his birthday party, the last one. But I, I couldn't because I couldn't yeah. fly fly to the East Coast to go there. Mm. But it's, uh, so it's funny. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's a, 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 a strange kind of guy, but he's very yes. talented. Yes. Oh, very yeah. Supre- supremely talented. And we're happy yeah. of his Poor, his parting kiss is a great part. We love. Yeah, his he re, he rejuvenated that band. I mean, there's no yes. doubt about it. To- songs totally that he was part of between lick yeah. it up and re- well between lick it up and revenge. I mean, oh. right there, his contributions are just untouchable. You know, yeah, he's really really good. Yeah. yeah. Now you did three songs on Animalize, right? Swearing and get all you can take. Whose idea was to throw the f bomb in there? Paul's eventually. Ah. Yeah, we um. We were I'm the one who picked the cover for Lick It Up, actually. To tell you the truth, to go back oh. to that record for a second. Oh wow, okay. Wow, we I, were, I was sitting. Paul and I were in his apartment on 52nd Street. Gene was in at, at his apartment on Fifth Avenue, and the C prints. Those were the big giant prints you get from the photographer. Yeah. Or from, yeah. From, are lying on the table, and we're looking at photos. We're looking at every every cover shot, every every, and there's different poses, and there's different looks, and there's, but they're all in those same clothes, whatever it was. And eventually, I'm in the bathroom on that phone extension. Um, Paul's in the living room, Gene's at his house, and we're looking at this stuff. And all of a sudden, I yell out, this is your cover. And they went, what are you wow. talking about? And I go, I go out to the room with Paul, and I say, look at this picture. What is the one piece of Kiss paraphernalia that you cannot take off? And it's the tongue. Yep. And the reason that photo took Gene said the photo, that photo came about because the photographer just actually said to him, okay, boys, this is the last shot. And he just stuck his tongue out for the oh, hell of wow. it. Amazing. I said, this is your cover. Yep. Um, Chris Lent and I talked about the fact that uh, that's who I was talking about before he in the office saying, who are you? Um, Chris, who was put, did the art direction and stuff like that. Somebody asked us recently, I mean, or within the last year or so, the photo for, I, had, I said, the photo for the cover of, of uh, Lick It Up, Paul had himself spliced in to that photo along with the other three guys. Now, when I tell you okay. that you can't tell the difference between any of the other photos and that splice, yep. Uh, the picture of him in that original photo, I don't know what the hell the difference was. It's kind of like the apocryphal story about Mariah Carey only getting photographed from one side and it has to be like perfect and there's a thousand photos and she picks out this one. Mm. Well, Paul apparently he liked he liked that pose from some other previous photo, but I'm telling you, it didn't look any different 
and the other one, Chris. Wow. Goes, you know, there were so many photos. I don't remember. Maybe we did splice it in. So, 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 so yeah. the, the, so Paul on lick it up, that was spliced in. That's not a natural photo of the four of them there. Yeah. But if, when I tell you the original photo, it looked exactly like that. So I don't understand why he didn't splice it. Interesting. Wow. So if we find the original photo of Gene where it's okay, last photo sticks his yeah. tongue out. Paul it's, is not the same pitch. Paul is not in that exact pose. No, That's but it's so close. It's so close. Why would you change it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, did you tell Paul, hey, put a wig on him because he looks ridiculous on Vinny? No. What, uh, what happened was they, they he told me that he and Vinny, Vinny and, and Eric were actually standing on phone books. And um, when he, he said, to, he told me, he said, that's Vinny with a wig on. He said, because in Neo Paul used to do a, a dead, a dead on impersonation of Vinny with his hair plastered down on his head. And that whole, the look of like, uh, oh, what was me? You know, like, <laughs> a, because he, he looked like a drowned rat is what he said. Because when he came off stage, he would sweat so much, his hair would not stay up. So for the photo shoot, I don't know if he had grown his hair out or not yet to the point that they wanted to, but they needed the photo, so he's wearing a wig. Um, yeah, I always yeah. say he looks like a baby embryo of a bird. Yeah, the, the, yeah I mean, the, the it's, yeah, it's, it is. It's the way Paul would just put his hands out his side, super does the video, and just squish his face together and go, woo, make, make him look like a. <laughs> So Paul would mock him and make impressions yeah. of him. Oh, no. Of course. They do it to each other. I'm telling you, it was it was it was funny all the time. So he did a Vinny uh, voice? Yeah. He was in a little Vinny voice where he just it was more like a visual thing. Like and, oh, you know, and this is when they were all supposedly getting along and everything was fine. I mean, I was I would I went to Paul, stop teasing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, he did, oh, he did a great he did a great Eric did a great impersonation of Paul with the shoulder shifting. <laughs> You go like, oh, he's like a guy at a Greek wedding, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was really funny. I mean, it was hysterical. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, moving back to the uh, animalize now. Yes, you'll have, to, yeah, you you have to bring me in. Yeah. No, no. no go no. ahead. Go, please. No, go. Yeah. We are loving this. Loving this. Oh, so, yeah. get all you can take. And again, Paul was going through his f bomb phase. Because yeah, he's the, very PG now, but during well, Animalize and yeah. Animalize Live Uncensored, he is swearing up, talking about tits and all sorts of shit. Yeah, what yeah. happened was on Get All You Can Take, we was, we had the song. Now, that was one of those songs, like I said, was like a, like a Harry Chapin taxi song. I wrote so many verses for that song. Um, and uh, you add words in and out and stuff like that. But I just, we just, we, we wrote that song pretty much in SIR with me on drums and him on guitar, or then we would switch. He'd be on drums and I'd be on guitar. Um, and then we'd back at the house, we're writing these lyrics and I'm, I just took the legal pad home and just wrote verses and verses. And we just edited it down to what it was. Um, but we couldn't come up with what blank difference does it make? We came up with every word you could possibly fit in there um and again same three-way phone conversation and we one night we're on the phone for like two hours and we just can't figure out what it should be and paul on his own just went because we had tipper gore and the lyrics and the lyric yeah saying and the, and the sentence sort of stuff. he called. just yep, went yep. what fucking did he just for the first time he decided to do it i mean you know remember alanis morissette was the first one to that was when the radio had changed and you could curse yep. Online, this one has got blanked. He said they lost Walmart because of that. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, they lost. They lost. Did they I put a Walmart. sticker on Animalize? I forget. 
I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Either. I remember, I, I mean, I was a teenager then, in yeah. like junior high or something, and I remember hearing Animalize and listening to Get All You Can Think. I'm like giggling, but like, oh my God, he said They're fuck. cursing, yeah, exactly. He said yeah. fuck, I can't believe yeah. it. Oh no. Yeah. He's it's crazy. pretty much, I mean, you know what, you can't, you didn't want to say effing. You know, uh, you know what, what kind of difference does it make? We went through every word you could fit in there. And then he just woke up the next day or a day later and said, this is the, what we're singing. What fucking difference? That's right. So, That's right. I was going to say, you can swear here, Mitch. Fucking oh, yeah. is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, Mitch, now the, I was looking up a, a, a previous interview you did talking about some of your, your songwriting credits involving Animal Eyes, specifically Murder and High Heels. Yeah. You said, quote, I wrote that stupid song. <laughs> um, is, the, is, the, is, is that true? Is that no, song I stupid? I don't remember me saying stupid song. I don't remember me thinking it that way. I mean, I wrote I wrote most of it. With Gene and I, a lot of it, a lot of the music is was done before it was done. Paul Paul was funny. I mean, I had a song, Forget All You Can Take. It was a slow song. Half It was like all hell's breaking loose. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, when I did the demo, I, Gene had this habit of taking Eric's drum tracks and just keeping them off the records just as drum tracks, like drum drops. Okay. So I wrote all these songs to Eric Carr's drum stuff. Sometimes I'd speed them up, sometimes I'd slow them down. Yeah. So the song I wrote that became Gallo Can Take was called Only Only Fools and Englishmen Are Out in the Noonday Sun. And it has nothing to do with that. But I wrote this half speed um demo. And the song itself is a completely great song in its own right, in terms of a very viable song in its own right. But Paul took it and sped it up and turned it into Get All You Can Take. Um, and he did a great job, really great job of taking that song. So I still have a, an unreleased song because he didn't, didn't really use it. He took elements from it. Yeah. Uh, with Get with with uh, Murder in High Heels, I had the main riff, and we yep. this is one of the songs from the from the from the closet. Um, okay, and. Gene and I just, and the way we would write is I'd go over and he'd kind of like orchestrate the song. I'd play the guitars okay. um, and the bass and stuff like that. So, so we would sing the lyrics together and see what happens. And I remember there was, you know, a slide of hand and a wave of whatever it is and stuff like that. So, and he, he would say, just sing whatever you feel. And so I'm the one who just went like, uh, you know, she could, she's a get rich bitch and get a better while the, you better get her while the getting's good. And he'd go, <laughs> wait, let me write that down. So a lot of it was stream. I mean, it's too bad we wouldn't weren't using a cassette recorder to, so you don't miss it. Right. You know, there's so many times you sing something amazing and you go, "What did I just say?" I don't know. I was listening or whatever. <laughs> oh so like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So we used to write all that sort of stuff down. But he he said, "Wait, wait, wait." What did you say? I said, "Hold on, let's go back." You know, she could. She's a get rich bitch. You better get her while the as you know. So so that song, the riff, the vandalier is my riff. Yep. And so pretty much the song was almost finished. He, he would go with Vision of Leather and that. I'm actually playing the guitars on that on the album. Oh, wow. Um, Paul was having an issue with his niece and his parents were in the coming in to talk and deal with, with him. Um, there's all kinds of stories about whether the niece is his niece or whatever. Um, she yeah. and I playing the rhythm guitar on these this stuff and Paul said to me I, the biggest compliment I give you is I consider myself one of the best rhythm guitarists out there I'm leaving the tracks on there he doubled them and tripled them whatever it was yeah but the uh, the 
it was me coming up with those guitar parts, Gene coming up with his vision and leather and salt on a wound, whatever that stuff was. Yeah. Uh, when it came down to record the song, Gene was gone and doing um, Runaway. Runaway, the movie, yeah. I'm doing the bass parts, and I played it wrong. By the time we'd written it, by the time we went to the recording studio, I'm playing wrong. John Bouvois had to play that part. Yeah. Also, he so he he yeah he came in and re-recorded the bass. Bass, yeah, or at least punched in the parts that I did wrong. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. My own song, and I played it wrong. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And we always talk about this because you know you learn stuff about the band as you you know run a podcast for four years or so. It, right. It's like Gene has this book of of words or song titles or yes, phrases. He has song titles. Yeah. And and when we reviewed Animalize, which was the first album we've ever reviewed on this podcast, way back, we were just like, yeah. this is all a mishmash of words and phrases. Yeah, he just throws shit. Hey, you know yeah. what? Like Murder I said, he's in high heels is a great title. What does it yeah. have to do with any of the lyrics? Who knows? But whatever. Well, the except that he, that he used it in the she's murder in high <laughs> heels. One of the best reviews I ever heard of that song was a guy who said it should have been the it should have been a song that Max. On uh, on uh, what's it? Robert Wagner's Seventy Powers TV series. Oh, heart to heart. Oh, heart to heart. Yeah. With Max, with she's murder in high heels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. It, yes. It, it, it was perfect. That's perfect. perfect. She was murder in high heels. You know? <laughs> that he, is he, funny. He had a book of titles, and and he would write down whatever came to him. So it's funny when the song that I have on this this record, um, Buffalo Rock City Two is called What You See Is What You Get. And that actually came from my then wife just coming through the room saying, um, what you see is what you get. Um, when he did the song for with with Keel, we were writing the Keel song, Easier Said yep. Than Done. Yep. It was supposed to be No Sooner Said Than Done. Because okay. it's all crazy simple, but sooner said than done. He went with Easier Said Than Done. Yeah. Uh, but she walked through the room at that point too. She was in the next room where photography studio comes in and says, no sooner said than done. He wrote that in the book. Um, so he, if he heard a great phrase, he would write it down. And then let's see if we can get a title out of her. So on, I believe Sonic Boom, he used the same title of one of our songs. Monster. I think it was Eat no, Your Heart it was Out. Monster, maybe. Eat Your Heart Out. Yeah. Yes. And I wrote him an email saying, it's good to see you finally figured out what to do with that title. Because <laughs> the original version of that song, and I don't think that made, made it onto any of the, his, um, his, you know, archival, Whatever that thing is, his, his, vault, his vault, his vault recordings. Yep. Um, and I think also he left my name off of uh, it's. It's, it's going to be all right <laughs> on, on, that, on, the, on the album um, because it was my track, my riff. But Michael Jap actually, uh, yes. has since passed away. He yes. just had to do with it. I wrote some of the lyrics. He wrote the lyrics. I actually finished the song, um, but it was never completed. Wow. It's another song I'll probably release um, cool. at some point if I don't die first. Yep. So, so, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, but but that's uh, I mean I'm all over the place here, but this just makes no, me it's it's great. Are you kidding yeah. me? Please, yeah. that's yeah. funny that you say that stuff. Like the the gene just jumping all around. Like that's interesting. Let me write that down. And yeah. we've heard stories over time, like like how he yeah. came up with War Machine. No, you don't understand. You need another verse. I'm yeah. gonna write it. Yep. Put my name on those credits. Yep. Yeah, no, he was great. I mean, we, the song that, uh, that's released this, um, 
what you see is what you get, which has been slightly altered by the boys in Buffalo. Um, it's still a great song and it's there and it's their take on it. Um, but I'm singing it. Uh, yep. the, ly- the lyrics of mine, they kind of did some rearranging. The original demo was up online, but it's so, it's so garbled because it's from cassette bounces all over the place. Um, <laughs> But I'm doing a Gene impersonation to the point where Gene is actually singing in there somewhere, but you'd be hard-pressed to figure out which one of us is singing what. Wow. Um, so, because he sang it in my little porter studio up in my apartment on 74th Street. Um, and he and I are doing the backgrounds, but it's but it's in there. But we're doing all this stuff, and um, I forgot where I was going, but if you keep talking, I'll, it'll come back to me. Hey, but, <laughs> well, I can't, while, you're, while you're remembering, I will tell you this. Be happy that you didn't get your your song is not the song that ended up on monster because eat your heart out is one of the worst no it isn't i like it that's no zeus hates it because he hates zeus hates it because he hates the acapella intro i think it's a nice old-fashioned cheesy gene song talking about sex and chicks i think it's perfect for i'll have to i'll have to listen to it again mitch yeah Yeah. when you think of acapella type songs it's bad your mind goes to kiss doesn't it yeah no yeah of course always yeah yeah (laughs) exactly it's as bad as you think it is yeah the intro is uncalled for it's uncalled the uh, the uh the acapella eye with just the claps or something like that. Is that that's oh oh it's, bad. it's worse. It's way worse. It, it's almost yeah. as bad. No, it is worse than Paul all of a sudden transform himself into Elvis in the middle of the song. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, right. Oh god. In the <laughs> Remember of that eye. part? Yes, I do. Need no yeah. Money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Mitch, Mitch, let me ask you this. When so you worked with Gene in 1970 on a solo album, and then you jump right. ahead to 80, 83, 84, writing songs for Animalized. What was it? Because we know how Gene, or we had, at least we hear the stories about how Gene was at that time, especially with movies and Hollywood and dating all these hot chicks. Right. And Holly- did you notice a, a did, did you notice a difference in working with Gene and his work style from '78 solo to Animalize? No, because we didn't work past the singing in 1978 until we started writing stuff together in the eight, in the early 80s. Okay. And the style was the same. Pick it up and go and see what we got here. I got this okay. idea. You got this idea. Or, you know, it's always like, what do you got? What do you got? You know, sometimes okay. I wouldn't have anything. Um, but usually I would come in with riffs or almost or almost completed music. That song, What You See Is What You Get, what I was about to say before I went off the rails there. Yeah. I That song was actually submitted to um, Asylum. Uh, yeah. And I had sent okay. them the demo. I had sent the, sent them the demo, and um, and I, it was me finishing the whole song. And it's the same song you hear. Uh, um, I use Eric Carr's drop drums from uh, "Lick It Up," and uh, I just built the track around everything off the Porter Studio, and uh, I finished almost all the lyrics. There's somewhere in my storage is a that said that same legal pad with all the lyrics written on it. Mm-hmm. Gene and I had remarkably same printings. Style. I went to art school. He didn't, but he had a the way we did our E's was the only thing different. But printing style, if we wrote something down, you'd be hard pressed to tell who did who's who's writing this, except okay. that you could tell if you look at the difference in the in the E's. Um, but so I have this lyric sheet where he's entered like ten or twelve words or fra- or a couple of phrases, but I wrote the whole song. At the time, he calls me up and says, "I really want to use this." So I, I feel guilty taking the publishing because. I really didn't write the song. I said, do me a favor. Get it on the album. Take the 50-50 publishing and the writer's share. 
I'll make more money on that one song than I did on the animalized songs because the animalized songs I didn't get publishing on. Um, okay. I did not get publishing on because this is not most there. They're the way you usually did business with them on the first stuff that you wrote with them, you gave up your publishing. Anything after that, you got your publishing. Okay. So, and I remember that when Animalize was actually out and it sold almost 1.3 million copies, mm-hmm. they hadn't done the paperwork with me yet oh. on, oh, no. on the, on the songs. Okay. And it's already out and it's selling and one, a million copies already. And I very naively, I get this conversation. They were going to give me an advance. Howard Mark says, we're going to give you an advance and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing I know, they can't give me the advance because they're buying out Ace and Peter. They didn't have, they didn't have the royalties hadn't started coming in yet from that record selling fantastically. Interesting. All the stuff that came in from, from Lick It Up was being used to fund everything. Yeah. And they were, they had to send cash in a different direction. So when they very innocently told me, or I very innocently heard them say, well, we can't send you, give you the advance. I thought the advance and the publishing paperwork was all the same thing. So I very innocently said, well, then I can't sign the papers. Mm. Howard Marks thought that I was holding them up um, and reneging because the reason why I, 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 Paul had said to me, unless we work it out otherwise in advance, we get the publishing. Mm. So I just thought that it was the same paperwork. So I said, I can't sign this. Then a whole war erupted between my lawyer and Howard and everything and stuff like that. Oh, and, wow. and I kept and I kept wondering what is going on here. Why? And Gina's saying your lawyer is such a. But we're still talking. But he says this business stuff's terrible. I and mean, your lawyer is, is holding us up. And I said, I don't understand this. So I get to my lawyer's office one day and we get a three way conversation with their lawyer, me, and Howard. My my lawyer's name was Howard Siegel mm-hmm. at a yep. big law firm in Manhattan. So I'm in the middle of the conversation. Somehow I get the point. So let me wait. Hang on. Let's stop this. Are these two separate pieces of paper? One's for the advance and one's for the, the publishing and, or the, just the songs, you know, ownership, whatever it is. He goes, yeah. I said, send it over. I'll sign it. Well, what was the mistake? I said, I thought it was all the same paperwork. We all, all three <laughs> of us almost started laughing. Yeah. The next thing, next thing I know, I got a phone call from Howard Marks a day later saying, you know, you and I have our own phone numbers. Not once during these two or three months that this is going on. Did I ever call you up to say, you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you know, and, and I, which case I would have told you, no, I, I would have, it would have been solved then. You meanwhile think I'm going to hold up for legally. And honestly, I could have held them up for 50% of the publishing because they right. released the album without me signing anything. Wow. Uh, but I remember wow. all of my conversation. I was, it actually endeared me to them because I, and especially to Howard, mm. because I said, I had this conversation with him. And I know that's what it is and send me the paperwork. Wow. And maybe, maybe that's why whenever advances were ready, they would just send them to me. Spoiled mm-hmm. me rotten. But the thing was, that was a, it was almost a whole war. And Howard says to me, you know, I should have called you. You know, I was talking with John Eastman, uh, you know, McC- McC- McCartney's. John and, Eastman, the guy John, in the Trump sagas now? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's a different guy. John Eastman was, was <laughs> oh Linda Eastman, Paul McCartney's wife's father-in-law. Oh, um, yeah. So he's Paul's father-in-law, but John yeah. Eastman was a friend of Howard. And he said to him, you know, whenever I have the phone number of an artist, I call him directly through the lawyers. So, yeah, so, right, right. so he said, I should have called Stop you. I said, yes, you should have. And I should have called you. Mm. So it was pretty crazy. 
Yeah, that's funny. I was going to say yeah. to you, so Gene has this big thing where he has the Gene Simmons collection auction website and everything. Be careful. Yeah. I bet you your lyric sheets are all there being <laughs> sold right they, now by Gene. They may not be because I think I saved all of my lyric sheets. And that one lyric sheet with his handwriting and me, I still have that one. Ah, <laughs> ah nice. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, Mitch. I don't know where, but it's in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's mine. You, that's yeah. mine. You have to send it to me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yep. give you fifty cents, and then I'll sell it for four thousand dollars <laughs> to some <laughs> Kiss fan in Iowa. Um, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to touch on real quickly was two other songs. Okay, and that is uh, "While the City Sleeps." If you want to yes. give us a couple comments on that, and then obviously "Thief in the Night." Well, while the city sleeps, Gene and I were writing together. Um, I had this riff. It was again at his house. I used to go really write, record these demos over there. Um, when he would be on the road, and he'd come back. We discussed this stuff, whatever. Um, and I, uh, the song to me now, if you if you know the song "Wishing Well" by Free, the main riff is and then in the verse. Um, and that's where I came up with uh, while the city sleeps. Well, the city sleep, it's a killer riff there. It's a, I mean, that, yeah, that's a, I, that, that's a, that's that's about as deep of a kiss track as you can get on animals. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty much my riff. So yeah, um, nice. It was yeah. So that, I, I like that song. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the story with Thief in the Night, we know that there was a lot of involvement with that with Wendy Williams and you know, and then it yes. and then it comes And then to when he made it on when he made it on Crazy Nights. Paul was not happy. Paul, Paul didn't know and, yeah, he Paul didn't know that it was called, on an, even, an earlier album. No, and what's funny is that Wendy Williams Wow record, which we first appeared on, um yep. we uh we um Paul actually sang on that record also. So how he never heard those tracks because it was obviously on a different day or he totally forgot. He probably never listened to the album at all. Right. Um, so when he finds out that, I mean, I know Nevison wasn't happy about it either. And Paul wasn't happy about it either. I mean, it's pretty, it's a great pretty song. That's yeah, a, a great song. song. I, I think so. I wrote the damn thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great song. We'll tell you that much, but we, we both love that song. Yeah, I, yeah. I will tell you there, there, uh, you know, looking at the, your collection there, I would say what there's three on 78. There's, uh, three on animalize and then thief in the night. Uh, yep. right. I would probably, I may put that as, uh, either one or two for me. Oh, I love uh, that thief, song. Thief in the, thief in the night's fantastic. It's a very great song. Yeah. Very it is an underrated song. That's, yeah. uh, the original demo that, um, you know, it's a ritual, whatever this ritual is saying. That's me doing uh, the Supremes. You know. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. Love Child? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, exactly. Reflections? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah whatever. Whenever they had that sort of stuff on of, there. That little trippy right. kind of thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's another song. It's um, Set Me Free. Why don't you make it? Keep me hanging oh, on. Keep me oh, hanging on. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. It's. It's. That's the funny thing on this this Buffalo Rock City version. They got the they got that. It was so simple. They made it different. The whatever the hell it was, they they make it into something different. And if you don't listen closely to it, it bumps the hell out of me. But other than that, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's <great. laughs> but I love that. I love that. 
So, Mitch, we, we've, we've gone through a bunch of kiss stuff. And believe me, we could probably talk to you for days about this stuff. But oh. tell us about you. What are you up to career-wise? What are you up to in your well, Right now, my career is pretty much on a little bit of hold. I'm up here in Washington State living a quieter lifestyle. Um, I've got some issues here I'm trying to deal with in terms of my mouth and stuff like that. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. making any public appearances. Um, I have been – I could go back and do some Beatle gigs and stuff like that, but I'm not. Speaking of which, this today is coincidentally the release of the yes. now and then new Beatles single, yes. which, uh, which did I you just hear it? To. I did. I did. What do you think? I think it's a John Lennon song completed by the remaining Beatle uh, members of the Beatles. It's not necessarily a Beatles song, um, but I think it's good and it's nice that we get to hear it. It's not one of his best ones, not one of his worst ones, but as I listen to it more, it's growing on me. Mm-hmm. It's almost, I mean, I wish it had more bite to it, like, like, um, free as a bird did and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's good. And it's nice to hear that the vocal is not an AI vocal. It's just an AI extracted vocal. So it's mm-hmm. really John Lennon singing and it's, yeah. and it's a good, it's, it's a good song. So, yeah. um, I, I'm not so, uh, not to speak blasphemously, but I'm not so sure I like the mix, but uh, okay. it certainly, it certainly sounds good. So I like it. Nice. Mitch Weissman, this has been incredible. My goodness, we could we could talk to you like Zeus said for all night for hours. We cannot thank you enough. Well, your, call me your, anytime. Your, call me anytime if you think of anything else. We would love to. <laughs> oh, I mean, th- we, we, absolutely. We, can, we can't thank you enough for your time, your stories, uh, your conversation. We truly appreciate Mitch Weissman. Thank you so much for taking this time. We're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Zeus. Have a good day. You yeah. too. Appreciate hey. it. Tom, that was Mitch Weissman. What'd you think? Well, right off the bat, when he started talking about Pepe Castro, me and you were trying to control ourselves like, oh, God, right away. But just unbelievable. The, here's the one. Here's the generally speaking. Here's the thing I loved about this interview. He talked a lot about an era that is not covered a lot on this show or in general. Talking about background stuff involving the Creatures era and demos that he wrote that didn't make the album that I never knew about that are now available on the box set. Inside stuff about that era, like 82, 83, 84 with Animal Eyes and the inner workings of song, like real inner workings, like real kiss nerd stuff that we love and we don't hear a lot about. Obviously, the 78 solo stuff, Beatle inspired songs there. But I really, really got into that, that, that early 80s stuff, even, even his opinions and thoughts on like the elder. Just I love that stuff when we're talking about a topic that we don't usually talk talk a lot about. I thought he I thought he was just fantastic. So gracious of a go, of a guest. I I love these when you don't know what to expect and yeah. they turn out always always better than what we thought we were going to get. Fascinating guy, super sweet. Uh unfortunately we had some problems with the with the connection in the beginning, but we think it, it worked out well. Lucky to have him. We'll have him back because he has so much more to say. And he's a big part of history. Yep. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it. But now, Tom, we go to question of the week. You got one? We do. So here's a simple, quick, fun one for you, Zeus. This comes from our buddy Josh Brown. Zeus, you have to pick one. Shandy, the studio version off Unmasked, or Shandy, the version off Alive 4 Symphony? Alive 4 Symphony, because I, I'm not used to it as much, so I can't hate it as much. 
So and it, and it doesn't sound as cornball. Yeah, it doesn't have that fucking awful jingling shit. Whatever it does oh, when it starts, it. you love the jingling. Whatever the fucking <laughs> shit it is, like wind chimes or whatever in the beginning, it's just horrendous. And so not knowing that or being as familiar will make me hate it less. That's that's a great answer. And by the way, we we'll get to it eventually. My, this is. Obviously, I'm not speaking for anybody other than myself here, but I think Symphony is a tremendously underrated live album. No one ever talks about that. And I'm I'm a, I'm on the record. I loved it when Metallica did it, and I loved it when Kiss did it, but we'll eventually get to that. But I love the song Symphony of Destruction, the Mega Death. They do a lot the song, they play the guitar, they go nuts. Arnold, talk, uh, we- Arnold di- di- different song. Different song, Arnold. Oh. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Tom, where can people find us? Well, please start with our website. That's where you can find everything. Shoutoutloudcast.com. All of our episodes, the Shout Out Loudcast episodes, Dorm Damage, our brand new ARC episode dropped this week. It was Zeus's pick. We did Kick by In Excess. That was Woo-hoo! a super, super fun episode. A lot of fun with that with Sonny. And of course, Zeppelin Chronicles. As Zeus mentioned, uh, we were thrilled to be listed on those list of Zeppelin podcasts. That was pretty cool. But uh, check us out there. You can click on all of our links, our Patreon links, our link to all of our social media, link to our Amazon shopping, our merch page. You can comment directly from the website. There's a space that you can comment on individual episodes. If you click on the episode, there's comment boxes there. So you can do all that. When you comment on the website, we receive them in the form of an email. Or you can just use old-fashioned email. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We read all of your emails. We try to get to a few during each episode. And with our upcoming mailbag episode, if you want to be part of that, it's going to be question of the week, but it's going to be nothing but questions. That's going to be the whole episode. We do one every year. That's going to be coming up. Get your question to us, please, at shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com. And, of course, social media, X, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all those things were there. Please check us out. Our wonderful Patreon family, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Stay tuned because November is ARC Patreon pick. It's a good one. Spoiler good alert. Lord. Good Spoiler Lord. Alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. It's a good one. Or is it? We don't know. We'll find out. And of course, we always like to say that we're a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Shows. Yeah, Tom, people can DM us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're putting up more and more videos there, so make sure you subscribe. In addition to that, please Go on to Apple Podcasts and give us one of those five-star reviews. It's a big help to the show, and it moves us up the food chain, gets us in front of a bigger audience, helps us out. You want to help us out? That's a great way to do so. Then, please, go to our website where you can get our merch. You can check out all the uh, photos we've been putting up recently. You can get to uh, the pictures of our episode uh other podcasts that we've been on our friends of the shows if you click on them you can go to their websites tons of stuff to do it's really interactive uh put a lot of work into the website please take a look at it scroll around and don't forget it's the holiday season shout it out loud cast merch great gift for everybody so please get that on shout it out loudcast.com shout it out loudcast.com Tom, what we do uh, before we leave is we give famous last words. Do you have any? Of course. She's a vision in leather.
like salt on a wound. Just a turn of a knob, and she's real fine-tuned. But she's murder in high heels. Yeah, Mitch. Terrible. Do you remember what I used to call? I used to have, uh, was it NBA Live? And I used to be, sometimes I would be the Kings. And I would have Weber. Oh. Who else was on that? Mitch. B- bitch Richmond. <laughs> yeah. Mitch the bitch Redmond. That's yep. right. Richmond. Plan. Richmond. <laughs> Mitch Richmond. Roland. 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 <laughs> Roland. Yeah. <laughs> Me and you, we make a team. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> Roland. 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 Tom, it's a ritual slaying without strings attached. Oh, no. And now he's praying, but there's no turning back. Love it. Mitch Weissman, Tom, Loudcasters, Kiss Army. Thank you. Mitch Weissman, not Mitch Richmond. Mitch (laughs) Weissman. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And fantastic episode. Hope you guys loved it as much as we did. You guys all rock. Zeus is always my friend. Thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Cut the music. And all you people out there sitting on rented furniture, settle down. Anybody seen Richie? Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.